0: Hey, listeners, after five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers, and I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving, just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Ready to celebrate
1: International Women's Day?
0: Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 117, which is first airing in late October of 2019. Today, we're going to be interviewing Sarah Powers. Sarah Unger and I are a fan of hers. Um, she's one of the co hosts of The Mom Hour, which is one of our favorite podcasts and certainly one we've learned a lot from as we've been building our podcast over the years. And one of the topics we're really going to be drilling down with um, Sarah about is evenings and how she handles her evening routine, how she thinks about it. Uh, lots of great tips from her. So yeah, what what's your evening routine looking like right now, Sarah Hart Unger? This <laughs> yeah, is the episode I mean, of well, many Sarahs.
2: <laughs> yes, it is the episode of many Sarahs. I mean, I, I think this is just a great topic because I don't know anyone who's like, my evenings are so relaxing. They're perfect, and they're wonderful. <laughs> the children just do their homework effortlessly. Yeah, so I figured since uh, Sarah Powers is kind of like the routine guru, that she would have some great tips for you guys. Um, and I also was like, I'm. Oh, I don't know about anybody else, but whenever I see a family that's my family projected forward, like three, four years, it's a sweet spot. I am so fascinated because I just assume, <laughs> that's oh, well, that's what, what my life doing? is going to look What's like. Like we had this life. family of, they were three girls who lived near us on Miami Beach and they were like exactly same spacing, three years older than us. And I guess their youngest child was friends with Cameron because that's the way it lined up. And I was just like eager to hear every detail of what was going on with them. So anyway, that's to me what this episode is. Our current routine isn't terrible. Um, I, I feel like we've actually done a lot of, you know, I've done a lot. A lot of conscious thought about it because my husband's honestly, he's kind of maybe more 50 50 here now, which is a lot better than it used to be. Maybe, maybe 40, 60 um, here and not here. I don't know, something like that. But it's not, he's not never here. And so it's really my purview to just kind of decide how it runs because even though he's sometimes there, I can't count on him being there. I am like the primary parent. Or evenings. And now we've added in, we've have like an interesting mix because with a toddler, she has a much earlier bedtime, you know, still like seven 15, she's done. Uh, and the older kids are, are going to bed a little bit later. And now the two big ones have basketball too, like two nights a week. Um, and often at either five 45 to six forty five, which isn't too bad. That means you get home at seven or 645 to 745, which is like, yeah, we have that tonight. It's like, whoa. Yeah. So I don't know. I've just, I'm like, it's it's just a lot of things that we're figuring out. One thing that is working though. I mentioned in a prior episode how I got these giant Erin Condren whiteboards and how I had grand plans for them. It's actually, you know, we're like, we're like a month into the school year. Um, and it's actually going pretty well. They enjoy, uh, going through, so they don't check it off as it's happening. They now know what's on the board because they've been doing it for a few weeks. And we have, um, I'm looking to my left here because it's actually in this room. We haven't put it on the wall. We left it leaning against the floor so they can reach it. So that may just be permanent. I don't know. Um, but for homework, piano, cleaning up toys, doing bath, um, a behavior one, which is like a gestalt one that I just get to decide whether (laughs) it's checked out or not.
0: You're the dictator of the evening.
2: (laughs) Well, no, it gets even more. So reading and then, um, the face and the face is where I look at all the check marks and decide if it warrants a green smiley face. And if it warrants a green smiley face, they get a point. If it warrants only a, um, I think we decided it was going to be a blue straight across face. They don't get a point, but they don't lose a point. And if they get a red Ooh. frown face, they would lose a point. Now, we have not actually awarded any red frown faces yet, but we have war- awarded some blue straight across faces. Um, I'm not going to say who and when.
0: And But logistically, I, can Cameron read? No. So I have
2: little um, – well, he can read enough – like he knows – the letter P. So we okay. can figure out that that says piano. And initially I had little pictures. So next to piano oh, was okay. like a music yeah. note and next to homework was a pencil. So he started to kind of, and again, since it's the same list week after week and we do it together. So I stand there and I'm like, Cameron, here's your homework list. Check it off. And then they gleefully the check it that off there's homework for a child who can't read yet. Is sort of. That's a whole other <laughs> another, podcast. Episode. Another can of worms. <laughs> I mean, it is like, yeah, it's out of hand, but that, yeah, that's another episode. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, we're in the honeymoon phase. We're only a month into the school year. You can ask me in May if we're if this is still working. But it's been a nice way to get into the school year and um oddly motivating for them. So we do that. And Genevieve's already been in bed by that point. Like usually I'm putting her to bed while they're finishing with something on their checklist. Or if they've finished everything, maybe they're watching a TV show. And then you know, then I put the big kids to bed by, we just like read and they've already had their baths with our nanny and they already usually have dinner with her as well. So I don't do that. And then, then they go to bed and it's, it's, it's not terrible even alone now, actually, I would say it's, you know, it's better than it was when I had like a newborn that might wake up and scream and need another feeding or something. So the harder part is the activities. And when there's only one parent and activities, I need our nanny to cover, which I'm just figuring out that it's, necessary
0: yeah I mean that's why we needed it too I mean we realized like they it you're either loading four children in the car um and bringing them all and it it happens sometimes because I mean both of us travel and and so then our, our nanny winds up doing it but I try to minimize the number of nights that needs to happen and that's one of the reasons we have our calendar meetings so that if I am traveling is it possible for Michael to kind of protect that evening to help with driving um, and we we may wind up with some some longer-term uh, things for this. It's it's more of an issue if, if Jasper and Sam need to be places because then they're the ones who can also stay home. So they wouldn't have to be loaded into the car for the little kid stuff.
2: You so. only have four years till so you have another driver.
0: Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, So hopefully he'll be a good, safe driver <laughs> for the other people. I'm, You'll I'm get not the sure. safest possible a, vehicle. a 16-year-old boy as a chauffeur. Um, we'll see. But uh, yes, that is true. That is true. But our, we – When we created our evening sort of schedule, I made my activity spreadsheet for the fall and understanding that it would have to change depending on the sports seasons or if a kid decides to do something different than before, um, because sometimes stuff comes up like they didn't know about a school play that they now want to do or another club that just got launched at school that they want to do or something. But... My goal was to have activities on three of the five weeknights. So we currently have Wednesday completely off and we have Friday completely off. That may change over time, but right now that's our two days off. And so I find that, you know, helps keep it in perspective. It's like, yes, we have a lot of stuff on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, but we have nothing on Wednesday and Friday. So if you can kind of get your head around that, then, then it doesn't feel so much. You know, the nature of, of having older kids is some of the stuff does wind up being later in the evening. Which, yeah, again, is why you wind up needing the other adult around, or carpooling, or other such solutions for that. Sports practices can be till like nine o'clock. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, we yeah. haven't had too much of that. And I, I with the ones we have, um, like our swim team, I made sure to choose. Like Jasper has the option of going like five or six days a week, and we only have to do three. So I chose the ones that were earlier because it's oh, more convenient for us to have those be the regular. Now, obviously if those days don't work, we can make up the time other days later, but but it's not the, the first choice. I would say one thing that's changed with us, I mean, obviously in our current iteration, this was going to change in, in January, but now the kids are all getting older. And earlier, Alex had been going to bed early enough that our nanny was already often putting him to bed while I was dealing with stuff with the other kids, that ship has sailed. He is fully in the big kid thing now. The upside though is bedtime is so much easier with him. I mean, for years it was... Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. A a battle. Uh, So I was doing it almost every night from zero to about two. Uh, She took over like three nights a week from two to three and a half. And then I've started doing it more again as it's moved later. And I, you know, it's it's a lot easier now, especially. I mean, you know, I people get really into kids and sleep. If they're not tired, they're not tired. And he isn't tired until later. He's, and so it's just I had a huge a battle. battle. Like, why? You know? He's like a low sleep need. A low sleep need kid. So now his he's usually in his bed more like 8 30. And I can find, you know, I go up eight ten eight fifteen brush teeth, go potty, read some stories, have a little chat in his bed, snuggle. And then he hits his music box thing and he will go out quickly and there's no fighting about it. I would say six out of seven nights a week, he is no longer fighting it. There's one night where he's like, oh, I want to I don't know. He probably wants to stay up and watch the right stuff with my husband and Jasper, <laughs> but uh, like, no, not happening. Um, not ready. Not ready. <clears throat> not ready for that. You are, you are not officially a big boy yet. So, so funny. But the problem well, is I have to go to bed as soon as Jasper and Sam go to bed. I'm trying to move Sam's bedtime earlier. Cause I think he needs more sleep. So I'm trying to get him down lights out nine 30, which is about when Ruth goes down, Ruth's supposed to be down earlier, but she doesn't go down. So the two of them lights out nine 30 Jasper lights out 10. I am often 10 15, you know?
2: My kids need so much more. Like, if my, well, I have to get them up pretty early, I guess. That's part See, of it. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Jasper is like up. What time
0: did kind of Ruth and Jasper get up? Well, so Jasper's up 7 15, 7 20. Um, yeah, we have to like
2: leave at that point. Yeah. We have to be like leaving out
0: And then, uh, so he, you know, if he goes down at 10, set, 10 to 7 is nine hours of sleep and he's a right. middle schooler, that's plenty. Yeah. And then uh, Sam, we're trying to do 9.30 to 7.45. So again, that's, you know, like 10 hours. Yeah, your
2: day just – that's the difference. Like your day is shifted. Like we would do like 8.30 to
0: 6.45. which is exactly the same. same, It's just just an hour different from based on school start time. Yeah. So that's us. Yeah, no. Cool. excited for you guys to all hear from Sarah Powers. So Sarah – Heart Unger. And I are thrilled to welcome Sarah Powers to the program today. Uh, We know from her work with the Mom Hour and other things. So Sarah, can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
3: Sure. Well, thank you for having me, ladies. This is so much fun. I feel like we have a few parallels with our show, even just, yeah, it's fun, fun to be here. Um, I am Sarah Powers. I'm co-host of the Mom Hour, which is a weekly plus uh, parenting podcast, parenting and motherhood podcast that I co-host with Megan Francis, who I know you go with. back with Laura. I am a mom of three. I live in Southern California, and I came to podcasting via a career in kind of writing and corporate communications, but podcasting is my close to full-time gig right now. I say that I work a part-time on steroids kind of schedule, which is to say I work every minute that the kids are in full-time school, and then a few more hours as I can squeeze them out. So that's
0: That me.
2: probably adds up
3: to full-time.
2: You should just give yeah, yourself I mean, that.
3: I know, credit. I know. But given the nature of your show, I am not uh, 40 hours a week in an office employed. But yes, I, I am, for all intents and purposes, full-time.
2: Oh, that's awesome. And can you tell our listeners a little bit, For those of you who don't listen to Mom Hour, by the way, you should. Um, I love that show. And it was definitely one of the shows as we were creating Best of Both Worlds, Laura and I started listening. Like, I think it was around that time. that I was like, okay, I need to listen to what other podcasts are out there. And I was like, oh, this one's so great. And I still listen. Oh, thank you. And you uh, listeners of our show remember that we did have Megan on um, a year ago, more than a year ago, and she was fantastic. Um, But tell everybody a little bit more about how that evolved. Like, was it kind of organic change over time?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Megan brought me on as managing editor of her growing blog at the time in 2012. We met in 2011 on the internet, as as one does. Um, And I had a background in kind of communications management, more of the kind of business side of managing content. And so she brought me on to help manage the content of her growing blog. And as you guys well know, blogging really changed a lot in 2011, 12, 13. And Megan had an early interest in podcasting herself, was just an avid podcast listener way, 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 way back and started her own podcast called The Kitchen Hour in 2012. And at that time, I was just kind of supporting and watching from the sidelines. But she decided to shutter her blog and transition into podcasting as kind of her main focus 2014, 2015 and asked me if... We, I wanted to start a mom podcast with her, and at that point, we'd been working together uh, for a couple of years, and we knew we had a great rapport. She has five kids. I have three. Hers are older. Mine, at the time, my youngest was two when we started the podcast, newly two, I think. And so, Sarah, probably right about where you are, actually, age wise yep. Yeah, that's about where my kids were when we started the podcast. And our our thing was we're not experts, but we between us eight kids and a big range of ages, and we live in two different parts of the country, two pretty different backgrounds. Um, we land around the same place philosophically on a lot of things, but we have very different personalities. So as you know from listening, like the way we get to the decisions we make is pretty different. Although I think we're we're aligned enough to make you know, to, we're, we're good friends and we, we agree on a lot, but we're also very different. And so our whole thing was we're just going to have conversations about motherhood and parenting topics every week. And we do occasionally bring on like quote unquote experts um, or an author or something, but it's really never been the focus of our show. We actually didn't do that for the whole first year um, because we wanted this to just be a, a validating conversation for moms who are maybe a few years behind where we are a conversation to normalize the things people are going through and not necessarily like here's the expert on picky eating and here's the expert on sleep training and here's the and there's there's great stuff out there in podcasting that does bring those expert voices to light but our thing was what if we just have a smart conversation every week and then the people the people came and they listen and we are It's actually more than 300 episodes when you count all of our interviews and bonuses. So we're more than 300 episodes and four and a half years in and we we don't take breaks. We don't. This is our full time gig.
2: Yeah. And when you started working with Megan, just doing that blog stuff, it was just, I mean, your kids were very young. It was just a sort of like a couple hours of your day here and there. And then as your kids got older, it felt right to be kind of jumping in more hours in terms of your own career path.
3: Yeah, that's about right. So I worked in an office, more traditional employment through my first baby uh, as she became a toddler. And when I had my second baby, I decided to stay home for a period of time. And I, I never looked at it as like, I'm going to stay home for the rest of motherhood. I just, at that time with two little ones in daycare, I was like, I'm going to see if I can figure this out to just be home for a pause. And I did. And then the work I started to pick up freelancing was in this kind of blog editing content management area. And I did it for another site locally, wrote for some parenting magazines. So I was doing a bit of freelancing, but really, like you said, maybe five hours a week or as I had the capacity. And when Megan hired me, I had been you know, dabbling in that stuff a few hours a week for a couple of years. And I said, you know, I'm pregnant with my third kid, right? She she approached me in September and I was due in January. And she was like, oh yeah. And of course she had five young kids at this point. She's like, oh yeah, I figure you'll be fine. I was like, okay, <laughs> if you think I'll be fine. So when I started working for her, I want to say it was seven hours a week was our arrangement. And over the next couple of years, um, we I'd go up to 10 and that was just for Megan. So I did have a few other things I was doing on the side. So I sometimes, worked five hours a week and sometimes more like 15 or 20 for about four years probably until the mom hour really took off and I had more uh, predictable childcare and preschool. So it really truly was a ramp up. And I feel very lucky that I was able to pick and choose projects and people to work with like Megan. And it, it ebbed and flowed a bit as kids came and preschool schedules changed and summers and all of that.
2: Well, and it's a nice example, because, you know, we have some listeners who choose to certainly not take a break. And we, we support that strategy. But we also know that some people want to be home. And, um, you know, our podcasts, we do tend to um, challenge the narrative that any one way is better for kids. But there's certainly different ways that work for different families. And we absolutely respect that. So I think you're a great example of someone who's like, I wanted it to be like this, but then I still know that I could ramp it up later. And then you did. So I just yeah. think it's a nice, Testament.
3: Well, thank you. And I guess the other thing I'll say about that is I'm not sure at 27, well, I guess I was 29 when I left a more corporate environment. I'm not sure at 29 that I thought I wanted to be doing that thing forever anyway, kids or no kids, full time schedule or part time schedule. So I also think it it gave me a really nice um, opportunity to find out other things I was good at and explore this other whole world. That I might not have if I hadn't decided to take that pause, and I realize there's a there's a ton of privilege in that statement. But I I am sometimes not someone who looks like five years ahead. What do I want? Where do I want my career to be? I was kind of just in the moment, and it allowed things to fall into my lap that probably wouldn't have otherwise.
2: Awesome. Well, I love the story. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if anybody listens to the Mom Hour, they know. Um, actually, before we get into her routines, which she is amazing at, we're going to take a brief break, and we will be right back. We'd like to take a quick break to welcome our first sponsor, HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. If you run your own business, you're probably used to doing it all. But if you're struggling to get through your to-do list, HoneyBook can help. HoneyBook makes it simple to run your business better. Professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation keeps everything on track and makes you look good. They can even consolidate services you already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. It's the number one choice for client and business management for freelancers and business owners. So save time and do more of what you love with HoneyBook. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners a fantastic deal, 50% off when you visit tryhoneybook.com bestof. The payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to tryhoneybook.com slash bestof for 50% off your first year. Once again, that's tryhoneybook.com slash B-E-S-T-O-F. We'd also like to welcome Lola back to our show. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. Unlike other major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. There's no BS, mystery fibers, or doubts about what's going in your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. They'll deliver exactly what you need when you need it. My favorite part about Lola is the convenience factor. They really make my month a little bit easier. The subscription is fully customizable, so you can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. It's also flexible. If you're building up too much of a stockpile, you can change, skip, or cancel at any time. Finally, as I mentioned, Lola was founded by women. For women. So for 30% off your first month subscription, visit mylola.com and enter code best of when you subscribe. Once again, that's mylola, M-Y-L-O-L-A, and enter best of, B-E-S-T-O-F, when you subscribe. All right. So just as I had promised, um, Sarah Powers uh, is kind of the, I don't know, the, the queen of routines and planning of her podcast. Um, <laughs>
3: and I should say that's in comparison to Megan, who will admit, that is not how she runs her life for parents. She's super intuitive, very flexible. And I I gain a lot from being paired up with someone like that. So,
2: Which (laughs) is interesting. And actually, that's a nice thing about your podcast. Laura and I, I think, have a lot of probably more similarities than differences, although our jobs are very different. So that is a nice um, kind of contrast. But you guys are very different Mm personality-wise. And you are the planner logistics queen. And those are some of my favorite episodes from you guys. So I thought... (laughs) that you could speak about one of the pain points that we all have, which is evening logistics. Yeah.
3: Yes, this is a big challenge. And I mean, as someone whose kids are moving into, well, they're all in elementary or middle school now, so I don't have any toddlers or preschoolers left. I, I'm i not going to say it gets easier necessarily. It just gets different. Like the things that are, we're still very much active, actively managing bedtime and evening routines. So maybe there is a point where it becomes more plug and play, but I'm not there yet. So yeah. And reminder,
2: reminder listeners, well, well, first of all, give us a little logistics in terms of like, when does your, do you have help? Does your husband get home? And also how old your kids are right now.
3: Okay, so right now my kids are 11, 9, and six and a half. So that puts them in 6th, 4th, and 1st grades. I, my husband is home most evenings. He does occasionally have late work events or travel. So, And he actually used to travel quite a bit. When I was in your stage of life, Sarah, I was solo more evenings than not. And now I am not solo more evenings than not, which is great. But I've had experience on both sides of that. Um, we do have some evening activities. It's something I held off on a long time is having those. I mean, I didn't hold off on all activities, but I really tried to avoid the ones that were like at 530 or something. Um, But now that this is our life. So we, my older two kids do Taekwondo several days a week. And at least a couple of nights, the classes are like at 530 and 615. Luckily it's very close by. One of us can be bopping back and forth to Taekwondo. We can drop them off. It's not, it's not like the whole family is schlepping down there, but you know, it, it does affect the dinner time. So as a big picture, I do have my husband home and we are co-parenting the bedtime most of the time. Um, and we do have some evening routine, evening activities in the mix, but for the most part, we're an early to bed. My kids are early to bed in their rooms um, by my choice and design. Cause I am not a great night person. I'm great in the morning. We're doing this interview first thing in the morning. That's fine with me, but I get really tired and I really stop wanting to actively parent after about eight o'clock. And I know that, I mean, for a lot of people, they get their second wind and they're writing a novel from 10 to midnight every night. And that's just not me. It's not my natural (laughs) energy patterns.
2: Well, and your kids, you know, we started talking before we started recording, but um, your kids are out the door at like 720 or something. Mm -hmm. So it actually probably necessitates a little bit of an an early, early orchestrated uh, evening routine or else they'd be
3: terrible it does. to wake up it does and it's like a chicken and egg thing because i don't know if i've made them early risers because we always put them to bed early or if they biologically take after me or like you said now the schedule had just reinforces it all but we are I, I do feel lucky that i just i don't have kids who want to go to bed at 10 and sleep till nine in the morning like that's never been our our family Laura does reveal. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome
2: um okay so what are your strategies for for getting that um you know slow moving bus to to move from dinner to to bath to whatever you guys get done like what are some of your concrete strategies and routines
3: Okay well I I made a note of a few and they're a little all over the place but um one that we did a long time ago that still is in operation is we set up a playlist an evening playlist I want to say I made this playlist on Spotify years ago maybe eight years ago when I had little itty bitty toddlers and it, it has some l- lullabies, but not just baby CD lullabies. It has songs that I like that feel wind down lullaby ish. And the great thing about a playlist is you only make it once and you can enjoy it forever. And this playlist comes on in our upstairs speakers. We use Sonos for our um, like home speaker system. But I know there are a lot of things you could probably do this with your Alexa's and your various things. I don't I don't know how it all works nowadays. I just know it still works. And it's um, an evening music playlist that comes on upstairs. I think it comes on at 7.05 five or six fifty or sometime that I chose a long time ago. And what I like about it is it's not like an alarm that everybody like when you hear the music, drop what you're doing and do the next thing. I've actually tried things like that in my house with varying degrees of success because I have some kids who require a little bit more of an easy transition and don't like to just be arbitrarily like, ding, now you got to go do this. So I like that it's kind of in the background and It just sort of like it cues our environment in the same way that, you know, lowering the lights or, you know, shutting off technology or whatever it does. And I think it's now it's almost nostalgic for me because I'm not sure that we need it or even notice it. But it's just this sort of background environment thing that I appreciate. And I'll be upstairs, you know getting the kids, reminding them to do their thing. And there's just this comfortable playlist going. So I've always enjoyed that.
2: There's probably like a subliminal power. I I will say that we have the alarm type of playlist in the morning, the Descendants soundtrack goes on (laughs) our Sonos. And if you get to like the song that did I mention, it's like, we have to
0: leave. Yes.
2: Um, And then we have Mozart's Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star variations that come on at like 7.30. (laughs) Which is our it's time to start getting ready for bed warning. So yeah, I, I, I get you on the playlist.
3: I, I love that. and i I love that you do the morning one, and I did also. and it then it just for my middle son, who just is runs anxious, it became this like the song would come on and he'd flip out because he did, could didn't have thirty more seconds to do what he was doing. So I guess if if there's a tip in there is that you might have to play around with how you how you use this. But I Depending still Depending on your kit. Yeah. yeah, exactly
2: so cool.
3: Okay. What else? Okay. Well, I have one that this is a a tip I learned from my sister-in-law that is so simple and I didn't do this and I wish I had. And so this is specifically for those families where having mommy or daddy help with bedtime is an option. So two parents or co-parents are both home and you know how little kids will get very opinionated and demanding about who reads the story, who tucks them in. And it can become, I mean, having a parent preference is like super normal, but I think at bedtime it can just become a thing. Like mom's got to, maybe she's breastfeeding. She's got to be with this kid. Dad does these kids. And then it becomes a whole thing. Like who's, who's the preferred parent. And so my sister-in-law with her little kids, they started alternating every other night, no matter what like just taking turns and there was no, because it was never an option. It was like, it's mom's turn, it's dad's turn, it's mom's turn, it's dad's turn. um. And the little kids understood that and they still had their parental preferences. They still liked, you know, the way daddy read a story or the way mommy tucked them in better. But the option was off the table, which removed so much of the negotiating. And I realize this doesn't apply to all families if you're solo parenting or it just might not apply. But I, looking back, I wish I had done something like that because we still, to this day, have a little bit of like well dad's reading this book aloud to the big kids but it's been a while since this happened. And I just feel like it's a decision, you don't need more decisions yes. and more. And I do
2: find it's, it's sometimes more of a cluster when more bodies are involved, actually. Like, I I think yeah. my husband does better putting them to bed if I just disappear. And yeah. then, like, I definitely do better if he's, like, doing, you know, like decidedly not in the picture that night versus both of us sort of half heartedly. And then they want one person to do one yeah. thing. And,
3: one and then they another. think, if they think it's open for negotiation, then it's just everything is that much more complicated. But the other side of this, I think, is the positives of having um, routines built in with multiple parents, um, which also then makes it easier if you've got a grandparent subbing in or a sitter. I think if you are one of the primary putter to betters, then you know all the things, right? You know how they're going to game the system and ask for water. You know their favorite lovey. You know it all, which is a wonderful position of bonding and power and connection, but it can set you up for Trouble down the road, so I love having a built-in. Maybe it's mom does weeknights, dad does weekends, or whatever it is. But if there's again, I always come back to if the kids know what to expect, and there's some kind of little built-in game or system, it removes that negotiating. That and and that that little bit of negotiating every night it can add up. Oh, it
2: gets old, it gets old fast. All right, well, tell me about your checklist system because we have our own, and I think I've probably spoken about it before. But um, I'm interested in the evening <laughs> checklists on the mirrors. Okay,
3: so I just did this for this back to school and as as um process oriented as I am, I've never been a big, like, let's print out a cute chore chart and have stickers. And like, I just never got there with all the chaos. So I'm usually like the quickest, easiest thing is what works. And, um, my youngest is six and a half. So all of my kids are reading or almost reading like reading ish, which has is really opened up like a lot of things actually, but I got these, uh, I guess they're called wet erase markers. Cause they're the kind that go on specifically on glass and mirrors. So they look like dry erase markers, but I think if you're shopping for them and we can link in your show notes to the ones I got, but they're meant for glass and mirrors. And so they look like dry erase markers and you can write on any surface. They could just wipe it off with a washcloth. And in our kids bathroom, I just wrote each of the kids like nightly checklist. And this is not rocket. Like this is not complicated stuff. This is like brush your teeth, floss your teeth, go to the bathroom like the basics. This was not chores or anything fancy. But what I found as going back to school is Brian, my husband and I were kind of tag teaming and we were losing track of who had done what. And as the kids are getting more independent, it's also easy to assume they're doing their stuff because they're capable. And so the checklist was just a super visual thing. Um, I really wanted to get back to flossing more regularly with the kids And so just by writing it down, because it it felt like they'd say, floss, we never floss at night. I'm like, well, I should be flossing at night. So it felt like this, if it's on the list then don't talk to me until it's done. And we're, you know, with the younger, we might be helping with the older, they might be managing their own, but it's literally written on the wall. Like they can't miss it. And also and they, don't, not- they
2: don't have to put their own check marks or they just follow the list. They
3: just follow the list. It yeah. gives us, my 11 year old wanted to get fancy and she made little check marks for herself. But again, anything, any barrier to just getting through it seemed to overcomplicate it. So they they could, if they wanted to put a check mark, they could. But I think having it in that central location was the most key thing. It's in the bathroom where we already are and they don't, they don't need their mirrors for, you know, styling quite yet. So the mirrors are covered right now in evening checklists.
2: Got it. My kids are highly motivated by the act of checking off because they're younger and I think they think it's fun, but yeah, that's different. (laughs) I love that. Tell me about your flexible evening blocks of time. I'm interested in that because our evenings tend to, our kids are already in like some sports, which are making it so that we can't always follow the same routine every night.
3: Right. And I do think this is something that's coming to light more recently as we're getting older. But there's there's a couple things that I think of as like, usually they happen on say Monday or Thursday, but they can shift. So like the blocks to me would be like showers. My kids don't shower every night at this age. My oldest showers more, but the younger it's like twice a week. And so we have our set nights for showers. But if life happens, those blocks can kind of easily move to another night. We also like to watch a show as a family together once a week. We're usually watching like The Amazing Race or some competition show like that. That's fun for us as a family. And the kids really look forward to that. Well, if showers have to move because of something, you know, that happened with the schedule, then probably our night, our weekly show has to move too. And I think one thing I noticed is I was so good about routines and schedule that I had to actually really coach my kids through being a little more flexible with their expectations. So, just like when you hear advice about picky eaters, you always hear like, look at the look at what they're eating over the course of a week or two weeks, not every day. And I think the same can be true for evenings. Like maybe you're not doing the the lovely read aloud with everybody cozy and reading for a full half hour every night. But if that block can be a couple nights a week and then the baths and showers a couple nights a week and then, you know, the really well done family dinner, a couple like if you kind of have your priorities, those rocks and then, you know, look at look at that over the course of a week, look at your week ahead of time and realize maybe not all the things are going to happen on all the nights, but maybe over the course of the week, you'll still touch on all those priorities for your whatever those priorities are for you.
2: It's the 168 hours version of, <laughs> of bedtime. <laughs> I love it. Well, two more questions for you. Number sure. one, do you feel like, like how have things changed since your kids have gone from, like think back to the days of, yes. you know, babies and toddlers mixed up and actually yours, yours are a little, you're, you have a more even spacing than I, than I okay. did so a little bit different experience. So think back to that and like what's changed and what were your go-to, what was your go-to back then?
3: Yeah. Gosh, my, I feel like my go-to back then was getting getting to bedtime. <laughs> like making it making it through. But you know, I think I um I uh, cut some corners, maybe sounds hard on myself. I let a lot of things go in those days. I would say the biggest thing I let go is dinners. Like dinners that I cooked and that we all sat down and ate at the same time, all five of us. I really, we are really enjoying that now, but it took a really long time to get there. So I always favored an early bedtime. And so usually my highest priority was what, what do we need to do to get, everybody to bed on time because that's my sanity. And so I probably would do something really easy for dinner if I was solo parenting quesadillas or scrambled eggs or something like that, cut up fruit. I mean, I was doing those not, not once a week, like most of the time for years. I was just doing those quickie dinners. I also thought baths were actually more often baths were a help rather than like a, something we had to get through. My yes, children it's bathed. like a
2: calming, a calming yeah, thing, right? And yeah,
3: we were all in the same place. I actually for a while could bathe all three of them together when they were like four, two, or maybe five, three, and you know, and one. nine months. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, probably that didn't last very long. I just have the picture. Like I have mental pictures and actual pictures of all three in the tub, but two of the three, and then you know where they are, right? Like, you know, and you're right there with them. I, I I have this mental image of almost shrinking our environment in the evenings to as small a space as possible. We had an upstairs downstairs house and I would just close the baby gates. We would be upstairs. That playlist would be playing. And we are closing in on bedtime as early as in those days, as early as 615, 630, we were upstairs and they were in bed at seven, seven 15, And it makes it sound like, a you know, I was like super rigid or, but it was for my own sanity, I think. Um, and it was cause at that point I'd had long days home with little kids or maybe solo parenting. And so those were the, those were the years the, and those, that was the objective. And I, yeah, I have, I have fond memories, but it was tiring. <laughs>
2: I love it. Well, it's like hope for the, you're giving me hope for the future of family dinners, which right now are not really, um, in our radar, but maybe someday. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. Definitely someday.
2: (laughs) My last nighttime routine question is, do you have, I know you're an early to bed kind of a person. So maybe the answer is just going to be, I go to bed, but any tips for making the most of your own evenings? I know Laura likes to do something nice where she'll put the kids to bed sequentially. And like, while she's lying with them, she'll like read in bed, like on her phone. So she gets through a lot of reading that way. So it's like self-care, but also being with the kids. So I thought that's a cool tip. I like that. Do you have things that you like to do for yourself after you put the kids to bed and making the most of that time?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And there is um, probably a couple hours between when the kids are in bed and when I'm in bed. Um, a couple of things. First, I there's a I always try and do a couple little favors for myself in the morning. Even though I'm a morning person, it's just mornings are so much easier if you wake up to the coffee already made. So in my case, like we're always setting up the coffee pot the night before, um, little things like I don't really like to be barefoot in my house. I have wood floors and they get dirty and I feel like just feels gross. So I try to make sure I know where my slippers are and it's so silly, but if I wake up and I come downstairs barefoot and I don't know where my slippers are, that's like kind of a bummer in the morning when you're just waking up. So I, I try to do a couple of those little things for myself that will make the morning easier. And then this sounds so simple, but my husband and I are big TV buffs. Like we're big we don't passively watch TV like have it on in the background. Like we are actively enjoying a show or a series together, not with our phones in our hands, like almost like more like you would enjoy a movie You're or engaged. something. You're engaged. I love that. I and mean, it's our thing. It's our thing. And so we usually, you know, by Eight, 10, everybody's kind of upstairs probably. The middle schoolers maybe like wander. She has a, now like a wandering around habit, like because she is more independent and stays up later. And we're like, what go, go! Like this is not goodbye. This is not your time. Um, so we are on the couch and we usually kind of debrief about the day a little bit, and then we are watching something that is making us laugh or that we're super into for probably an hour. And that's like, that's my wind down time. I feel like I wish it was more meaningful than that, but it is TV. Sounds
2: great. What is the, what is the best show you're watching right now?
3: Well, we are rewatching the West Wing from the beginning. (laughs) So that is a popular thing to do. I think it is. So we love a lot of the HBO both comedies and dramas, so there has been a lot of that. We also just watched season two of Mindhunter, which is a Netflix original. Ooh. That's um, about the CIA in the seventies. So we're a little bit all over the place. We usually try to have a drama going at all times, and then like a comedy for filler. So, and we will rewatch. We'll go back and rewatch all of Thirty Rock or all of Parks and Rec or. I'm I'm thinking about a Seinfeld rewatch maybe sometime soon. Wow. So it's just, yeah. Ambitious. It.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, it is time for our love of the week segment that all of our guests get to contribute to. Laura, would you like to lead off?
0: Yeah, no, this is awesome. Hearing about wow, all, all her evening routine stuff. So part of my evening routine, I read most nights now to um Alex, my four-year-old, and Ruth, who when this comes out will be um eight. And with uh, with Ruth, we've we are still working our way through the magic treehouse Merlin missions. Uh, right. And <laughs> this is I don't know, this could probably take us to our teenage years. I presume she will not still be interested in them then, but the sheer volume oh my of gosh. books has been helpful for this. And so that I can just keep, you know, getting new ones and there's yeah. always a new one. <laughs> and uh, you know, it takes at least if I do a chapter a night, it's about eight to ten nights. And, you know, we have stuff some nights, so it takes about two weeks to get through them. But that pace, like, it's going to take us a while to run out of them. So, you know, we've been going through those, and I I don't mind them as much as I've definitely mount, minded some other books that have found their way into mm-hmm. her, her shelves that I have then, you know, tried to misplace. Um, <laughs> But with Alex, we're we're reading these little golden books that are about superheroes. So I remember like the little golden books as being like the fairy tales or the little pokey puppy or whatever. But in, in recent years, they've done some sort of tie in with like Marvel superheroes and stuff like this. So now we have the storybook about the mighty Thor. We have the storybook about Captain America. And he asks for these things like literally every night. And the upside is they're really short, uh, so <laughs> so we're reading these little golden books about various superhero characters, and he is he's is so happy sitting through them. Not really, you know, great literature, but uh, of of the books that get asked for again and again, I would say that those are there. So
2: yeah, a little a dual love, love of the
3: time.
0: week. Um, what, what's
2: that? I said a dual love of the week. A dual love of the week. Yes, exactly. I love it.
3: I. Yeah. No, I was just going to say I've given the tip before that little golden books are great for travel. There's like they can slip so easy because they're so small and so they're super portable. So I I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your love of the week? So my love of the week is college football. And I will explain why I'm not. We actually did just did an episode about whether we are sports fan families, Megan and me, to which we answered kind of somewhere in the middle but actually we are taking the kids this weekend we leave tomorrow we're going uh, on a long weekend to Chicago where my husband and I went to school at Northwestern and taking the kids to a college football game and i'm just it just i'm just really excited not because i am obsessed with college football or football in general or sports but it's one of those things we'll probably only do once or twice it feels like a th- a thing that the kids will remember. They'll get to walk a college campus and just see that whole vibe. I wish it was going to be a little more fall weatherish. That would just be the icing on the cake. (sighs) But yeah, and I think that's just another celebration of the stage of life my kids are at now. We travel really well together as a family and we can do things like go to a college football game without worrying about naps or diapers or any of that. So that's my love of the week, college football. Go Cats.
2: So jealous of you being at a good age <laughs> for travel because I've like sort of given up for a year or so. Yeah. Um, anyway, my love of the week is we've been trying to find water bottles that don't leak for the backpacks because they need water and I hate it when everything gets all wet and they do too. So there's a brand called Pura, P U R A, which my friend introduced me to. And actually, I got it for baby bottles initially. Like they have these like straws that are good for toddlers because it's kind of like, Cross between a bottle and a water bottle, but they also have like sports bottles for kids, and they don't seem to leak. So, Pura water bottles. However, mm-hmm. I, I wrote in my notes, I wish they were resistant to getting lost too because yes, lost
0: tracking people. device on
2: these things. <laughs> yes. so, yeah, I mean, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been great. And uh, remind listeners about how they can find
3: you. Yes, it's very easy since we are podcast and podcasters only for the most part. So you just look wherever you're listening to this, search for The Mom Hour. Um, You can also head to themomhour.com and there's a little button that says new, start here. And we've curated some of our favorite episodes because there are so many by age and stage. So that might be fun to check out. And then we're on Instagram, which most of you listening probably are too. And we're at The Mom Hour everywhere you can find us.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. This was fun. All right. Well, that was awesome. I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Sarah. We definitely enjoyed speaking with her. Um, Our Q&A is from a listener that wrote to Laura. Hi there. Question for you and Sarah. I've decided to go back to work full-time after being home a few years with the little ones. Honestly, your podcast had a lot to do with it, making it feel even possible. I'm sorry. I just had to read that part. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sometimes we edit those letters, but we're like, no, no, we'll put, we'll put that in. <laughs> Let's keep that part I'm in. I'm
2: really happy with the kids' preschool. So I, I think we will go the nanny route. My question is, how do you find a nanny? I know there are agencies and online posts, but where do you start? How do you build the trust? It sounds like you both adore your nannies and I would love to hear how you found them and how you knew they were the ones.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we get versions of this question a lot. And I mean, one of the things of, of, I think people find us sort of when they're newly in the parenting stage and maybe looking for childcare. And so we definitely get a lot of questions about figuring out how to do this. And you can go a number of ways if you've decided to go the nanny route, which is, which is wonderful. One way is to ask friends, colleagues, neighbors, for recommendations, because there's often people who are transitioning out of this stage of their lives, even either that all their kids are in school or getting older, or, you know, somebody's decided to stay home for a while or whatever it is. But there are people who are transitioning out of needing a full-time nanny. And obviously, if you've been employing somebody for a while, you want to help them find their next position. So uh, you can get this through, through the grapevine. And then you've Ideally, you're getting someone who comes highly recommended and, and you don't even need to go through the whole process. I mean, you might want to look around a little bit, but uh, it's great when you can find somebody like that. I have used an agency. Sometimes it's worked. Sometimes it doesn't. It just kind of depends. You know, sometimes people send you exactly what you're looking for. and I've definitely found a couple great people and sometimes even, you know, part-time sitters through that way. On the other hand, um, sometimes, you know, they just have a list of people and they're like, okay, who hasn't gone on an interview in a while? (laughs) Shove that person over. Um, So, you know, they're they're running a business as well. They're trying to place as many people. So if you know you have sort of strong ideas of like what will work for your family and what won't, you may be better off doing something like going through care.com unless you can be totally transparent with your agency of like, this is what I'm looking for. But going through care.com, then you can kind of look and see, well, who applies if you post the job with all your specifications or also just perusing listings. Um, You might find somebody, a couple people who look great to you, invite them to apply an interview and, and choose from that. Um, So I've gone, I've gone all those routes. I've generally found good people. You want to ask questions about their, their job history. uh, you, You know, talk about how they deal with situations, try them out with the kids, like have them, you know, hire them for an hour or two to, Watch the kids maybe while you're still there, but just to see how they interact. And if you like interacting with the person, definitely check the references, call all the references and ask the references questions like, you know, what do you wish they did differently? You know, and then you can get answers to that.
2: I think references are so key. And I really also feel like um, phone or FaceTime in speaking with the references is much better than an email. Anybody can put whatever into email, but when your people are speaking, they tend to be more frank. You can kind of hear what they're saying between the lines. You can hear whether their tone is truly enthusiastic or not. And like, you know, I hate talking to people on the phone and I know a lot of our generation does as well, but this is one instance where like, you just got to like
0: do it. Suck it up and do it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And our, I mean, I've only hired one net. I've had lots of babysitters. Um, but I've only hired one nanny and I also used care.com. I mean, the other advantage to care.com is when you go through an agency then some of the money gets siphoned off by said agency. Which because they're providing you, a service. I mean, right. thought, oh, of there's course, nothing wrong of with course. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, but in the it's kind of like, you know, uh, for travel, like it can also be great to work with an agency if you want to. But if you don't mind doing a little bit of DIY, then usually you may be able to go without it. I'm not saying anything against either of those types of agencies, but you may want to try first to go on your own. I don't know my personal bias. And of course I'm biased because I had a very good experience. I put out an ad, got a bunch of, ris- I was very specific. I was like, I want the answers to these questions because then your, your ad itself can serve as a filter. Like, can this person speak English? Can they follow directions? Cause if they can't respond to your questions, the way you, you know, ask them to, then you probably, that's <laughs> At least for me, that's probably like a red flag. The other red flag is if anybody like reschedules or doesn't show up for their interview, like it's over. Like yeah. done. Over. Done. <laughs> and I've had that with babysitters. And I if I hire a high schooler and there's one t- the, they they text to cancel, I'm like, and I'm moving on because I I,
0: I cannot you need reliability. I mean, this is the full thing you need. I mean, and yeah, we uh we we had one bad situation with that when we were trying to go through an agency once and I had come back early from an amusement park to meet somebody for an interview and then she didn't show. And I was like, wow, that, I mean, A, you know, I would never, I mean, I'm sure even if it's a good reason, like it just, it, this is, it's a red flag of something that is. is is—is. Agree. Yeah.
2: Agree. So, I mean, I think if that happens, just tell yourself it happens to everyone and good. You didn't waste any time meeting this person, interviewing them and then having them no show on a job. (laughs) Better to have them no show on an interview. But yeah, I mean, putting out your, your stuff and then interviewing as many candidates as seem reasonable. I actually only interviewed one, which is creepy, but I spoke to her reference two of two or three of her references. And well, first of all, she was one of the only people that like answered all the things that I asked for. And then I spoke to two people she had worked for, for like years. And, um, I could hear the, like one woman was like, Oh, I wish we could still afford to have a nanny. Like, cause it (laughs) it was like a couple that had divorced and she admitted they had kind of like lost the ability to, to hire someone, but you could tell she was like, Oh, What a loss, you know, um, but recommended her highly. And, um, I just could tell from that and the way we clicked that it was likely going to work and she's worked for us for now, um, more than six years. So clearly it was, you know, you don't need to interview 15.
0: Yeah. (laughs) One thing I would say, you know, to add to this, though, is you definitely want to, um, because it's not just about you choosing candidates. I mean, which is, you know, you you may have done this in your professional job as well, right? Like interviewing people and you're choosing candidates. They're also choosing you. Oh, yes. And you want to make sure that it's somebody who's really happy about working for you and is um, excited about doing so. And there are things you can do personally to make sure that that is the case. I mean, obviously you want to uh, pay above market rate. You want to pay on the books because, you know, somebody doing this legitimately as a job, definitely, you know, well, A, it's just legal, but um yes. deserves to have things like their social security paid into unemployment insurance And you actually should, you should put that,
2: that in your ad because some people, unfortunately, are not willing to do that. And it's better to find, you know, have them just not apply. Yeah. Like, you, like
0: put in your ad, like we expect. We, we will be expect this will be on the books. Not trying to nickel and dime people. I mean, and we've always said, you know, we we turn the paycheck off we on we never turn it off like so there's there's you know you get paid vacations like that's yep. you know, paid days off, things like that. We, we would never like say like, Oh, well, you know, they were off for two and a half weeks. And so we should stop paying for half a week or like, no, I mean, just don't nickel and dime people. Um, you want to be the sort of professional employer that people want. And as work,
2: as someone continues to work for you, you want to, you know, incentivize loyalty, like add vacation days. is something we did or um, different types of bonuses or um, just different things to make sure that someone wants to continue to have that relationship exactly
0: All right. well this has been best of both worlds we've been talking with Sarah Powers about evening routines and her career as well we'll be back next week with more on making work and life fit together
2: thanks for listening you can find me Sarah at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram
0: and you can find me Laura at lauravandercam.com this has been the best of both worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX 80. ready to celebrate international women's day m&ms and iheart present women take the mic sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other and of course there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure peanut butter m&ms because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight like listening to your favorite podcast so savor the deliciousness of peanut butter m&ms and spread some positivity